This is EtherCast. I'm Christopher Burris of the EtherGame Brain Trust. On this week's podcast, we're taking a question that might seem like it has a straightforward answer, but if you twist it slightly or look at it in a different way, you find that the answer isn't so simple. You probably noticed the quotes around the word recording in the title of this episode. When were the first recordings of classical music? It sounds like an easy enough question to answer if you've got Google or you know somebody with a phonograph. That's a clip of the earliest known classical music recording. It's an 1888 Edison wax cylinder recording of Arthur Sullivan's song, The Lost Chord. But let's examine the principle of a recording a little more closely. What's at the heart of a recording that makes it a more precise method of preservation than, say, an original manuscript, a piece of sheet music in the composer's own hand? Well, a recording captures all those little things that happen during a performance that you can't indicate on the page. Us music snobs call this performance practice. It's basically everything that's implied and never really written down in music. A great example of managing performance practice is when you have to deal with tempo or the speed at which you play a piece. Take this recording of the Gigue from Bach's fifth unaccompanied cello suite. We'll hear both Janus Starker and Yo-Yo Ma play the opening phrase. the speed and articulation of Yo-Yo Ma's performance is different. Which one is close to how Bach would have played it? Bach didn't leave anything specific on the original manuscript that tells us about the speed of the piece, possibly because the word gig implied a certain tempo to most Baroque musicians. If we had a recording of Bach playing it, we would know exactly how fast it should be played. And that's the key to an audio recording. It gives us precision on this performance practice decision. Now, I will eat my hat if anybody ever finds a recording of J.S. Bach or any 18th century composer playing their own music, seeing that the phonograph wouldn't turn up for over 150 years after Bach's death. But what if I told you that actually there is something, and I would even call this a kind of recording, from about only 30 years after Bach's time. If you were to head on over to the countryside of Hungary in 1793, you'd find Austrian composer Josef Haydn working on an amazing project for his patron, Nikolaus Esterhazy. Thank you. 
We just heard a little waltz by Haydn played on the Haydn Niemich mechanical organ. This amazing little contraption was the product of a collaboration between Josef Haydn and Father Josef Niemich, a monk who served as Nicholas Esterhazy's in-house clockmaker and librarian. The organ originally was attached to a clock, and so over the whole day it would play 12 little pieces composed by Haydn through the use of changeable cylinders that have pins attached to them in a mechanical code that tells the organ pipes when to speak. Now obviously this doesn't sound the same as if it were an audio recording of Haydn actually playing his music. Any expressive articulation of the music is pretty much non-existent uh, from the organ. But it does solve that question of tempo that we had earlier. We know that Haydn was present as this machine was being built and completed, and so he would have had control over how fast or slow it played his music. That's why this machine carries at least, in principle, the same kind of authenticity as an audio recording. The Haydn Niemich organ doesn't give us an exact replication of Haydn performing his own music, but it does give us a version of the performance that Haydn would have heard himself and approved of, and that makes these otherwise quaint little pieces more exciting and historically significant than you might expect. We'll leave the Haydn Niemich mechanical organ to its whirring and clicking, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode because I'd like to explore more mechanical instruments in later episodes. I think there's a whole history of classical music and consuming musical entertainment that can be told through exploring mechanical instruments, and it's a narrative that's pretty underserved. In the meantime, you can join me and Ethergame host Mark Chilla for our regular classical music quiz Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock on WFIU, and we'll explore some more curiosities of classical music next time on Ethercast. I hope you'll tune in. I'm Christopher Burris. Thanks for listening.